Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Episode 127. Hey, Richards, I'm Hayut, and I'm so happy you are here with me today. I would like to invite you all, if you haven't done it yet, to go to richomiss.com slash routine and get our latest guide of five actionable steps for a daily routine of most successful entrepreneurs like Mike Stelzner, John Lee Dumas, Kate Erickson, and many more. And now, let's meet the small biz lady. Melinda Emerson, small biz lady, is America's number one small business expert. She is an international expert on small business development and social media marketing. Melinda is also the president of the Quintessence Group a marketing consulting firm based in Philadelphia, serving Fortune 500 clients who target small businesses. She has published over 5,000 articles on small business on her blog. Her advice is widely read, reaching more than 3 million entrepreneurs each week online. She is a former columnist for the New York Times and Entrepreneur and she is the best-selling author of Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months, second edition, and her latest book is Fix Your Business. Melinda Emerson, what a great pleasure to have you here with us. Hey! Hi, I'm so happy to be here with you. It's wonderful that you are here. I'm waiting to hear everything about what you do and about being the small business lady. And I just shared with our audience and my listeners what you've done until now. And I would like to ask you, what are you doing and most passionate about today? And where are you heading? Well, the thing that I am most passionate about is ending small business failure. <laughs> that is the thing that keeps me up at night. It's the thing that keeps me going every day. You know, I love entrepreneurs. We are the bravest, strongest, you know, most committed people in the world. But a lot of us struggle to run a business. And so my mission, my, you know, magical power is fixing businesses. Like that's actually what I do. It is my special gift. Mm -hmm. And um, I, you know, everything I write, every interview I give, every video I record, Everything I do is about that mission. In terms of the thing that I'm working on now that I'm most excited about, um, for the last 10 years, I've hosted a live tweet chat on Twitter every Wednesday night from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern called Small Biz Chat. And this fall in September, we are going to launch the Small Biz Chat podcast. Oh, Fans and, and people have been accosting me and emailing me about doing this literally for years. I, I was actually on vacation one day in Mexico and a lady came up on me. Hey, small biz lady, when are you going to do a podcast? <laughs> I thought, <laughs> oh my gosh, like 
I can't hide from from anyone. Um, you know, my comfort level really is writing. I love to write articles, books, ebooks, you know, but I realize that there is power in the voice. There's power Definitely. in people being able to just listen to you. And so I am grateful to finally, after 10 years, hmm. say, all right, we're going to turn this thing into a podcast. And we're going to continue doing the tweet chat, at least for a little while. But um, I'm really excited about finally putting my toe into the <laughs> into the waters. It is exciting. And I'm sure it will be a great podcast. It is exciting. And it's also, you know, time is the, I think, most limited resource that we have today. However, people still have time to listen, whether if they're in the car or they're running or practicing or uh, making exercises. So I think this is the almost the only free time that people still have. Yeah, exactly. And they still want it to be consumed in this way. You know, I, I think it's time with your own thoughts is, is, is underrated. I, I think more people need to take the time to think through things and process things. But if you're going to turn your car into a university, hey, why not do it with a podcast or, or a book on Audible? Me, I'm still old school. I still like to read things. I still like to hold books in my hand. <laughs> I'm not a Kindle person. Like, I'm, I'm just not. I'm old school. I still like the feel of paper in my hand. I can understand you, but I divided it. I listen to professional literature and I read, you know, uh, stories and romance and uh, the other kind of literature. So it's easier for me to listen when it's about professional. I, I can understand that. I can understand that. I mean, there's plenty of people that if it's not on Audible, they don't even want it. So <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has to consume their information how they want it. But I must ask you. Everyone likes to consume information how they like to consume it. You know, some people like to watch it. Some people like to read it. Some people like to listen. So that's okay. Like everybody wants us to connect with them where they want to be and not where we are looking for them, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so Melinda, uh, we are sharing this because I'm talking a lot about the failures of entrepreneurs, but I'm really focusing on entrepreneurs. And you took the, um, the angle of small business, which is almost the same today. But I'm so curious, how are you fixing businesses? <laughs> <laughs> how am I fixing businesses? Oh, gosh. Let me tell you something. One business at a time. Uh, <laughs> when I focus on on my blog and in the books and the things that I write is really actionable advice about things that people don't even know could potentially really become a problem for them. Uh, throughout my 20 years in business and gosh, 20 plus years now, you know, I, I've made a whole bunch of expensive mistakes and I've been a witness to <laughs> people be, making a whole bunch more. And what I have developed is what I call the 12 P's of running a successful business. And so the first P is preparation. And when I say preparation, it's really like, I don't think people don't know what's wrong with their business. I think they just haven't made the decision that they're tired enough of it to fix it. So it's like, they know they have a problem employee that they need to fire, but they don't feel like dealing with developing a job description, screening applicants and hiring someone else. So they tolerate someone who maybe doesn't do a good job or maybe antagonizes everyone else that works with them, including them, because they don't want to do the other work involved with replacing them. 
Oh. I love you saying that so much because while you are talking, I'm thinking of my business, of course. And yes, we all know what we should fix. Yeah. I, I think it's a very <laughs> clever thing to say. Yeah, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm enlightening too many people that there's something wrong going on in their business. I think I'm holding them accountable to finally develop a system or plan to fix it. And that's really what preparation is about, making the decision you're ready to fix your business. And then once you're there, the next P is purpose. And for purpose, I'm really like, sometimes the, the, whenever I get stuck in my business or I feel like I'm in a rut, I have to go back to, Melinda, why did you start this business? I have to go back there. And then I have to say, okay, I know why I started the business, but then why should I still be running it? Because sometimes the deal is things run their course. Businesses run their course too. Are you still running this business because you don't know what else to do? Or because you're so far leveraged, you can't stop running this business, even though you hate this business now? Like what, you know, you really have to reconnect. And, and I feel like you're purpose in a business is tied to sort of like your mission, your vision, and sure. your passion. Because to me, passion is like one of these like super overused words in entrepreneurship because it's like, yeah. I'm passionate about people. It's enough. Yeah. yeah it's like, okay, Being passionate, it's enough. Does your passion got a paycheck connected to it? Like, does your passion have a profit center? Because <laughs> if it doesn't, mm -hmm. you are just some dude with an idea, you know, like, so I really feel like you have to have a very clear mission. My mission is to end small business failure. My vision uh, is to become America's number one small business expert. Hmm. But my passion is really for entrepreneurs. Like I want you to win. I'm passionate about it. I'm willing to give away everything I know for free on my blog just because I <laughs> want you to win. And that is, is where I get my purpose from. But you hmm. sort of like, but you have to understand that your vision for your business really should be something you're always striving for. It's not this thing you do when you get to check a box. Okay, now I'm America's number one small business expert. Done. You yeah. know, it's not that. <laughs> I got to keep working towards that. I got to, even if I'm my own competition, I have to keep going. Right. Sure. And then once you once you get clear about, OK, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Then you got to look at who's your army that's going to help you do it. So my next P is people. Right. Because, sure. you know, what I find is that I don't know an entrepreneur who doesn't have a story for me about their employees. Right. How bad they are. Lazy they are. Mm -hmm. They don't do come to work on time, but whatever. But here's the thing. When it comes to people that work in a small business, I believe there are four kind of people problems. Either you need people and you don't have them, or perhaps you have the wrong people working for you, like your cousin that needed a job. Perhaps you should have mm -hmm. a check and not a job because you invited trouble to dinner at your house by <laughs> hiring your cousin or your brother, your best friend who just lost their job and now they need a job. Don't do it, man. Don't do it. Save yourself. Um, but the third kind of people problem is we don't train our employees as entrepreneurs. We hire people, we find out what their skills are, and we base them, throw them the keys and say, good luck. We really don't get clear about training or, you know, onboarding like corporations do. We have to do that stuff too. 
especially with our millennial employees, you know, because we have to show them what to do and then we have to tell them why it's important. Because if we don't give them the why, they don't feel like they're doing something of value. And then they start, you know, spending their time looking for their next opportunity as opposed to focusing on helping you win. So it's really, really important that we spend the time to train people. And that could be two weeks, two months, three months. But you got to train your people so that they know the small biz lady way to do stuff, right? You can't assume Hmm, folks know how to put a book in a box. Don't assume that. Show them. The tissue paper goes Hmm. this way and the sticker goes on top this way. Honestly, you have Hmm. to show them. And then the fourth thing I think with people problems is people mistake being a manager for being a leader. And you have to be intentional about being a leader in a business. When you own a business and hire people, you're just a manager and you have to stand up and be a leader and think about your business strategically. That's when you're leading. And that's what we're not doing. Enough. This is connected to the purpose, isn't it? It is. And the passion. It is. But it's <laughs> like, it's like you, you have to have a leadership mindset. And too often we come into our businesses as managers and don't work on our own leadership. And then we wonder why we have high churn or we wonder why we're not getting repeat business or we wonder why, you know, you're getting a bunch of complaints on Yelp. Well, I bet we could go back a few steps and look at you. (laughs) You might be the problem. Like, what is it like to work for you? Are you a good boss? Are you a bad boss? Are you the kind of boss where everybody knows what kind of day you're having by how you're talking to people? (laughs) What kind of boss are you? You know, like you might be your HR problem. (laughs) You might not. Definitely. I think one of the problems is that um, a lot of entrepreneurs who wasn't managers before in other organizations and didn't have the chance to to watch it and to learn from other managers. So uh, a lot of times it's the first time that they're really dealing with the issue of HR. That's true too. But everybody had a boss. So you had to look at who, (laughs) you know, who was your boss? What was your boss doing? I mean, I never really had a good boss when I worked in corporate except for one person. So what I learned mm-hmm. from the other bad ones was how not to treat people. And that's valuable too, frankly. It is. So I think that people need to be, understand that leadership is something to be worked on, just like um, negotiation skills, just like sales skills. Your leadership is something for you to be very intentional about. And and then when you look at that, then you've got to look at, at profit. You've got to look at how money works in your business. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have money rules? Do you just write a check when someone issues you an invoice? Or do you have twice a month when you write invoices, right? You know, what are you, what are you doing? How are you thinking about that stuff? And so it's really important for you to think about what you're selling. What are the profit margins on what you're selling? And are you spending the same amount of energy to sell something that doesn't make you a real profit margin, right? Hmm. You know? Sometimes we do. Yes, absolutely we do it. We all do it, especially women entrepreneurs, because we love to give it away. Oh, I love you saying that. We love love to give it away. We love to give you a discount. We are suckers for a sob story every time. So no, no, no. Make people respect you. Make people pay you, Hmm. you know, because... Your mortgage company is not going to accept a smile. <laughs> just, yeah, that's right. So you need to make sure that whatever you're doing, that you are getting paid to do it. And that's a function of confidence. That's a function of worth. But also, too, 
one of the things I talk about in my book, Fix Your Business, is about having a profit account. Like no matter what check comes into your business, you take two to 10% off the top and put it in an account just for you and in an account in another bank that's not easy for you to get to. Don't put it in the same bank with your operating account so you can rob yourself when your business <laughs> needs money. No, you need to put it in a faraway account that's hard for you to access so that you have to really think three times about it before you go touching it. That is how you end up at the end of the year with money for you hmm. because your business should be able to pay for itself. And that includes paying for you. But you need to make sure that you're taking a little bit off the top. That is your profit account that has nothing to do with your operating account or payroll or any of that other stuff. It's really important. And my good friend and, and college castmate, Mike McCallowitz, talks mm -hmm. about this a yeah. lot in his first. Um, but yeah, so so and then once you get your money straight in your business, then it's time to look at your processes because you're never going to be able to train anybody or hire anybody if you don't document how things work in your business. So you really have to think about what are your daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly things that you do. Hmm. Document them, write them down. Because if you can write them down, then you can say to yourself, okay, if my time is billable at, let's just say $500 an hour, then why would you spend your time putting your own data into QuickBooks? Hmm. Why would you ever do that? Because yeah. I promise you, that is not a high value. <laughs> that, that's not a high value. No, $500 won't hold that. You can pay somebody $30 an hour to do that job so you can go out and get some more $500 an hour job, right? That's right. So it's really a test for you because we all think sometimes as entrepreneurs, no one can do this thing better than me. I need to do that. I need to have my hand in that and that. Well, I guess you don't. <laughs> so because you can focus on how many people can I talk to that can pay me $500 an hour? That needs to be your goal every day. <laughs> and mm. so if you're majoring in the minors, if you're out here doing minutia, when you should be doing your most high value activity, that's why it's important to document your processes. Because we as entrepreneurs don't know how much time we waste. We have no idea. We're not trying. Yeah. It's one of the issues that entrepreneurs, all of them, are just failing uh, for. And, but the other thing. I'm we, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I totally agree. I think um, I always say that we always have one dollar and one minute to decide what to do next. And so many times entrepreneurs, like, they feel like they have their whole life to succeed. <laughs> exactly. No, time is not your friend. I mean, the runway is right. so much shorter than it used to be because competition is global now. It's not local. It's global. I mean, think about all people on Amazon selling you stuff from China <laughs> yeah. and you don't even know until it takes you three weeks to get it. <laughs> so it's like, look, I mean, you really have to look at this stuff and say, okay, this is where I'm at. This is, this is what I need to have. And then once you document your processes, mm -hmm. the great thing about it is then you can look at productivity, right? The next P is productivity tools to help you with the things that you don't need to be doing. Marketing automation is awesome. You know, you can automate your invoices so that they automatically send a reminder to somebody that hasn't paid you. Like rather than manually going in and sending an email to somebody about that. No, no, no. You can you can automate stuff. You can look at who opens your emails, who responds to your emails. Hmm. All of those things are critically, critically important, you know. And so for me, I think that you have to use productivity tools. But the problem is there's so many out there. So it's so 
hard to figure out That's right. which one is the right one, which one is the right marketing automation tool, you know? So one of the things that I have done is um, on my website, fixyourbusiness.com, I actually lay out some of the tools that I like that I think are great for startup businesses versus, um, you know, more mature businesses. I think that, you know, if you're just getting started with email, you know, MailChimp might be okay. If you're like a hardcore email marketer, maybe you need to look at Active Campaign or Infusionsoft, you know, something a little bit more robust. You, you just got to look at it. You know, um, it sounds great. I want to put, if, if it's okay with you, I would like to put a link in the show notes of this interview to your site, of course, and perhaps to the resources as well. Absolutely. I'll be happy to make sure that you get that information um, because I just know that there's so many options out here that don't make you crazy, make your head hurt, hmm. you know, and you've got to have the right, you've got to have the right solution. You know, so I'm, I'm just grateful to be able to help, um, you know, people think about it, uh, you know, but once you get through that sort of what I call my first six, then it's time to really look at things like performance and performance is really about measurement. Like, what are you measuring in your Mm -hmm. business? As a matter of fact, are you measuring anything in your business? And you're talking about goals here as well? I'm talking about goals, but I'm talking about, are you looking at your Google Analytics? Are you looking at Mm. your email open rate? Are you looking at your cost per lead, cost per sale? Do you know what your sales cycle timeline is? Like that stuff. Mm. Are you measuring sort of like the underbelly? It's one thing to know you're losing money, but if you're measuring stuff, you know why. If you're doing marketing that you don't measure, the next time you drive down the street, just open the window and throw out money. <laughs> the money. <laughs> because that's tantamount to what you're doing. If you're doing Facebook ads that you're not carefully measuring who's opening them from what kind of device, what demographic, you don't even know who's even listening to you. And too many of us are out here gimmicking, you know, chasing after stuff that is a gimmick as opposed to really understanding, you know, what they need to be looking at in their business. So I believe measurement is important because things you measure get done. Mm, and so, sure. you know, things, things you measure, you can also improve. And so performance measurement is key to, to a growing business. And then once you look at performance, the next thing I want you to look at is your product, your products and services. Where are you positioned in the marketplace now? And are you positioned for three to five years from now? Hmm. Are they going to need what you sell in three years? Are they going to need it next year? You need to be thinking about what is next for you. What is the next product you need to release or next book you need to write? Or can you bundle? Can you partner? What is it that's going to help you continue to stand out in the marketplace? Because listen, nobody's looking for a me too business. Nobody's looking for something that somebody else can find easily. And you never as a small business want to get into the thing where Let's say you're reselling stuff that people can also resell. You do not want to get into a price war because the race to the bottom is a race nobody wins. Hmm. You want to be really, really careful about adding value, not necessarily adding price, but adding value. How can you add value to your customers so that they need you, so that they call Hmm. you, so that they say, small biz lady, you are my lady. I need your help. I need to figure out how to do a customer retention or customer acquisition campaign. I need your advice. Absolutely. How can I help you? You know, like (laughs) you want to like the number one resource. You know, I tell people all the time, do you want to be the cardiologist or the primary care physician of what you do? (laughs) 
Yeah, that's correct. You need to be a cardiologist because the cardiologists I know drive Maseratis. (laughs) (laughs) Figure out how to be a cardiologist because those people are paid. You understand? They specialize in solving heart problems. And so you want to be that for your industry. You want to own your lane and be the queen of what you do. And then after you look at that, it's got to be about presence, you know, your brand presence online and offline. When's the last time you updated your logo, your website, your business cards? Your website is your number one sales tool. People are going to check that before they check anything else about you. So are you ready for company? If it's your Hmm. welcome mat into your business, are you ready for company? Hmm. You know, does your site load fast? Does it load fast from a mobile device? Do you have at least one way to get people to give you your contact information when they get to your site? Do you have a funnel to follow up once they give you your contact information? Like what's going on with that website? Hmm. You know, you really have to think strategically about what your website's doing for you. Your website should be a cash register. It should be making money for you while you are asleep. And that's right. And it's such a privilege because we never had a time when everyone has a shop and everybody could get into it. That's what's happening today with your sites. You have a showroom. Everyone has a showroom. Absolutely. But some people's showroom look like they don't care nothing about themselves. They don't love themselves. And thus, they don't love you, right? So it's important that every you know, 18 to 36 months, you got to give your baby a facelift. Sure. That, that website needs something to change significantly about it. I, I'm a big fan of January websites, like new year, new site. Hmm. I, I love it. Really? You know? You're changing your site every year? Not every January, but when I do change it, I change it in January. <laughs> but um, I, don't, I have a humongous site, so it's a little bit hard for me after writing over 5,000 articles to just change it. <laughs> wow. It's, it's it's a pretty big site, so I can't just move the barnacle that fast, but uh, <laughs> no. But the facelift is something that can be done, isn't it? Just uh, change some things and... Definitely, definitely. But, but that's the first thing. Like, if you wanted to know what you should invest your money in first, hmm. it is your website before anything else. Fix your website. Yeah, presence is really, really important. And then when you when you finish the presence, then you've got to look at prospects. You know, how are you driving leads to that website? How are you driving traffic to that website? How are you keeping your sales funnel full? What's going on? Do you have an organized sales process? Do you have a salesperson? Do you know how to hire your first salesperson? Because it's not like hiring any other kind of employee. Mm, that's right. I mean, hiring the right salesperson can change your life or kill your business. So it is really important that you're strategic, that you know what you're doing, that you've thought about it. These things are extremely important. So I want to encourage people that if they check out my book, Fix Your Business, I talk all about this and about how you can really turn your business around by getting a salesperson because too often the business owner ends up being the main salesperson, right? So then you look up and you've got all these doers in your business and you don't have too many thinkers. And when I say thinkers, I mean people who are thinking about how your business makes money other than you. Sure. And going out there to do that or going to the internet to do that. Yeah. So it's really, really important that somebody else is thinking about revenue. (laughs) (laughs) So if you don't have anybody like that in your business, you got to get you somebody. And I talk about exactly how to do that, how to develop an organized sales process in my book, Fix Your Business. So go out, check it out. Look at that. 
And then you've got to develop a strategic plan every year for your business. I don't think you need no huge 40-page business plan, but I do think you need a strategic plan. The things you're going to tighten up, the things you're going to focus on, the things you're going to put on sale, the new products you're going to develop, you have got to develop a 12-month plan for your business. And I love the fall because the fall is the best time in the world to develop a plan for the next year. It's the best time to do your budget for next year, and it's the best time to do your sales projections and just to do your operations plan for what, how is your business going to thrive and operate next year? What are you going to do? You got to think about it and you got to write it down. It can't be something that exists in your head, right? You got to write it down. I know everything in my head. I have it in my head. Yeah. You have to write it down. Yeah. That's not the right <laughs> place for it because you can't share it with anybody you need to help you if it's in your head. So write it down, make it plain, okay? That's what I need you to do. I want you to think about. And then the last P is perseverance. Okay. And perseverance okay. is important because none of this stuff happens overnight, right? So basically, you have to stay strong enough, long enough to win. Mm. And that's not an easy thing to do, especially if you have a bunch of people in your life telling you you're crazy for running this business. Yeah. Right. So you've got to kind of insulate yourself. You've got to make sure that you have what I call a kitchen cabinet of advisors, five people that are invested in success that love you, that will give you honest feedback on what's going on in your business. Well, that person, first person in that group should be an existing entrepreneur. Second person should be a client or potential client. The third person should be a mentor, maybe somebody that has nothing to do with your industry, but that is just that person that talks you off the ledge when you need help. And then the fourth and fifth person should be a lawyer and an accountant. Hmm. And if you were fortunate enough to go to college, you know somebody that's a lawyer and somebody that's an accountant. <laughs> I'm very fortunate because I got one of each in my immediate family. <laughs> so, oh. Although they are the last people. I've got a lawyer now. Yeah, my daughter is a lawyer. Well, that, they are the last people I want to take advice from usually. But <laughs> I do have a brother that's a lawyer and a brother that's an accountant. And my mom was an accountant too. So I got all kind of business people <laughs> around me. <laughs> but I'm the business expert, doggone it. Anyway, but... uh. Um, you know, so you really want to have people around you that are going to help you get through those hard days because hard days are real and they will come. They absolutely are. But you got to be able to take a punch. Hmm. You got to be able to pay all your staff and not pay yourself and not be screaming at people or throwing paychecks at people. Right. Hmm. You know, you got to be able to make the hard decisions. You got to be willing to take the hill if you need to take the hill. If you got to fix a problem with a client, even if it costs you money, you got to fix it because you can never let a customer down. Never. And I want to take this uh, sentence and ask you, you've got a lot of successes and we'll get to it in a minute, but I want to ask you to share with us what is your biggest or one of the biggest, most critical failure with customers, the one that affected your journey the most? Ooh, that's actually, there's so many. Gosh, which one do I choose to tell you about? <laughs> I love that. I knew you would say that. You know, about 15 years ago, my first business was actually a video production company. And we used to do a ton of work in the pharmaceutical and healthcare space. Yeah. One of our biggest clients back then was uh, GSK. And They had hired us to do a video of a health fair. They, um, Jerome Bettis, the former Pittsburgh Steeler, was one of their spokespeople for a big asthma drug. And he was coming to town, interacting with a bunch of kids at this big health fair. 
And um, we shot the video. They didn't want us to edit it or anything, but they just wanted us to shoot it and, and give them the B-roll so they could use it down the line for other stuff they had coming up. And we shot the video, gave it to them, and I, I didn't think anything of it. They paid us. And about six months later, um, I was up for a sole source contract with them. They were going to consolidate all of their video work and give a contract to three companies. And my company was one of the ones being considered. And so I got called into a meeting and I'll never forget this was, I was about maybe like six months pregnant with my son and and my then husband at the time worked with me in our business. And we went to this meeting. We were so excited because we thought, okay, great. They're finally going to talk terms. You know, we're going to get this, you know, sole source contract, whatever. Um, And when we got there, the head of procurement was there. The head of video production was there and, and the head of supply diversity was there at this meeting and immediately I started feeling like, hmm, something's wrong. And so hmm. the head of video production put a tape in a machine and showed it to all of us in the room. And the footage that we had done six months ago of Jerome Bettis was blue. Oh. Yeah. So basically. All blue? All blue. Like my videographer had an indoor filter on, or he had an outdoor filter on shooting inside. And if that happens, the footage and everyone in it looks blue. Wow. And, and you didn't see that before. Hmm. And, you know, he was a celebrity. They'd paid him a lot of money to come to this event. And they used that as a reason for us. Not only did we have to do another video project for them for free, we never, ever got a piece of business from them again. And we never, ever got that. Hmm. I love this story. I love this story. Um, I love the story because, you know, when I'm asking about photos, a lot of people are finding a nice photo to tell about. But this is a photo that can happen to any of us, isn't it? And, uh, oh, yeah. But it's, it is still something that you really feel ashamed of. So, oh, my gosh, it was horrifying. Like, I actually wanted the floor to open up and swallow me. I mean, it was just, it was so embarrassing. And for it to become so public. You know, because it was actually very mean-spirited of the person. Yeah, it was. Frustrated that meeting to embarrass me at a meeting. Yeah, bringing you over and doing that. It's not a person that I would like to take another contract from, I might say. A- absolutely not. I mean, and particularly because they didn't even give me the courtesy of telling me there was something wrong. That's right. So you're going to wait to sucker punch me in a meeting when I'm up for a, a big contract. And that contract probably would have been worth almost a million dollars to my company. <laughs> it was pretty terrible. Wow. No, yeah, I think, you know what? I think it's not even a story about failure because when we are failing, we have the chance to try and fix it. But if somebody just wants you to, um, to suffer for your failure, perhaps it's something else. I think the story is more, uh, more interesting about this person that chose to uh, humiliate another person, another business person. Yeah, I mean, it was not it was not my best day. <laughs> no, not the best one. But you had a lot of, and this is exactly the time that I would like to ask you to tell us the story of your greatest, or one of your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something you did right about approaching your customers. Well, I mean, you know, I, I have a lot of amazing customers. Um <laughs> But one of my favorite projects I ever worked on, actually, believe it or not, um, I worked on with Wells Fargo Bank. And um, 
this was prior to the huge scandal, obviously, but they did a project with me where they hired me to show up uh, basically unannounced at one of their small business customers' businesses and do sort of like a surprise ambush makeover. And at the end of the project, um, they surprised them almost like Publishers Clearinghouse and gave them a $10,000 makeover to the, the retail store of their business. Wow. And it was so awesome. Like, <laughs> I was like, I got to be somebody's fairy godmother, literally. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> my purse, you know, and, and they had no idea, like, why I was there. You know, like, I showed up with this camera crew, and we had told them this story that they were going to be featured, you know, on Wells Fargo's website. And, and, and they, you know, we just kind of interviewed them about their business and their money management, da, da, da. And it, and it was like, they didn't realize, we were there for, like, two days and um, shooting footage. And it was a pet grooming business. Um, and so you know, it was a husband and wife business. And they, you know, told these stories about the the wife actually had an autoimmune disease oh. and like kind of started this business because she really couldn't work for anyone else. And she needed to be able, like when, when her arms and limbs, you know, were tired, she couldn't work. And so she, but she was very passionate about grooming pets and stuff and mm-hmm. um, it created like a really great business, but it was so awesome to give somebody so incredibly deserving mm-hmm. a leg up like that. Wow. And to surprise her at the end of our two days with a, but wait, there's more, you know, (laughs) and and they brought in, uh, you know, a a designer who was going to redo the complete front storefront of her business. And, and, you know, Wells Fargo was was paying for it it, and, and it was absolutely awesome. And it sounds like that. And it's also a very beautiful idea. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. And like to this day, I don't know that I've had that much fun on a project, <laughs> coaching an entrepreneur and, and being able to like know a secret that they didn't know. And the secret was that you're going to get all this money. <laughs> They're going to fix your front of your business. It's going to be awesome. Like, yeah, that was pretty, pretty cool. And Melinda, you know, um, there are many factors that affect uh, one's success Although I believe that each of us has one winning factor that really made it for them, that really helps us to succeed. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor? I think my key success factor was just relentless consistency. Hmm. You know, I think that when I made the decision that I wanted to be America's number one small business expert, I also had to make a decision that there were lots of other things that I was going to do. And so that meant I was willing to do a live show on Twitter every Wednesday night for 10 years, every Wednesday night. Um, And we'll put a link to that chat as well. Yes, yes. And then also, too, my blog, SucceedIsYourOwnBoss.com, for more than 10 years, I've posted two to three times a week. Wow. Every week. Yeah, you said about 5,000 articles? Yeah, it's yeah. It's a crazy number. I can't even say it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It is a very crazy number, let me tell you. Um, not to mention the articles that I've written for the New York Times, Entrepreneur, and Inc., you know, on wow. top of that. But what I will tell you is that that's what it took, you know, to become, you know, world-renowned as, as the small biz lady and as a national and international small business expert. And I don't think most people are willing to work that hard. Hmm. So I think that, for me, 
once I made that decision, I executed. So consistency. And I never, and never uh, didn't deliver. And I think that to deliver quality content for over 10 years takes strategy. Sure, it sure do. And, and so consequently, that's why I'm extremely well regarded, hmm. you know. So I love this uh, key success factor. Actually, I must say that a few people say consistency, but you really have a great story because producing so much content and uh, giving all the time, creating something for others, I think it's very unique. And now I finally came to my last question. And my final question is my mountain question. And as I always tell my listeners, I've been imagining this journey of marketing in the mind of the customer, the consumer, like climbing a mountain for years. And at some moment, I started to ask my guests whether they ever climbed the mountain. And this is what I'm asking you. Whether you ever climbed the mountain or wish to climb a mountain or do you have any relationships with mountains at all? <laughs> well, I have to tell you, I have done some, you know, rock climbing and rappelling, but never a true mountain. Um, but my brother, a few years ago, when he went to graduate school, went to Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. And wow. he and a bunch of his wow. MBA buddies, they climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. And ever since he told me that story, I said to myself, if I get to Tanzania, I get to Kenya, I get close enough, I'm going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Wow. But you are really going to climb it and he climbed it. Well, I, all I have to do is get invited to Tanzania or Kenya to speak and I, that's it. I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going there. You should send me a photo when you get there. It's not easy to climb the Kilimanjaro. No, it's not. It's not. So I'm <laughs> going to do the baby part. You know, I'm not I'm not a hardcore Mount Everest type climber. Um, but I, I definitely I want I've made a decision in my life that I'm not going to be afraid of things that I've never done before. <laughs> I'm just going to do the best that I can. And I also think that climbing this mountain of being the small business lady and being known as one and the leader as a small business expert, I think it's a mountain by itself, isn't it? Oh, without question. Hmm. I mean, when I first started talking about it in 2007, I mean, people looked at me like, what? You're going to be America's number one small business expert. I didn't even have a blog back then. I, I just had my <laughs> book and it hadn't come out yet. And my first book, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months. And, and uh, people were, were like, oh, yeah, really? You know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, you know, by 2010, it was true. And then it was like, then it just became bigger and bigger and bigger. And then, you know, next thing you know, I'm flying all over the world to China, France, you know, Chile, Nigeria, you know, speaking and giving people business advice. And all of a sudden, people are like, shoot, she's a small business lady. She's America's number one small business expert. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. And um, before we say goodbye, I just want to ask you, what is the best way to connect with you? For any of our listeners that would like to be in touch. Well, I'm small biz lady on all of the platforms except for LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, I'm actually Melinda Emerson, my name. And if you can't remember that, just, uh, you know, go to smallbizlady.com and you'll find me. Um, and that's it. Join me every Wednesday night from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern for Small Biz Chat Live. And we will have all these links in the show notes so anyone can very easily find it. Melinda, I would like to thank you so much 
for being here. It has been a pleasure and it's very impressive. And thank you for sharing the 12 Ps with us. We will put it in the show notes. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Reach or Miss show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.